Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks. This week on our panel, we have James Zuber. Hello from Minneapolis. I'm Andrew Madsen. Uh, James is not actually in Minneapolis. He is just... I'm from Minneapolis. (laughs) No, but you're saying hello (laughs) from New York. We're in New York City. I'm in New York City. Hello from New York City. (laughs) We're in New York City at the Microsoft Connect conference, and we have a special guest today, Keith Ballinger. Hello. Keith, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Keith Ballinger. I'm the director of PM uh, in Microsoft's mobile DevTools division. I came to Microsoft via the Xamarin acquisition earlier this year, where I was previously VP of product. Uh, these days at Microsoft, I mostly focus on various cloud services for mobile developers. We just released a product um, yesterday, in fact, called Visual Studio Mobile Center, which is designed for all of these things. Um, and before, I was at a series of startups, mostly mobile-first startups, um, either as a CEO or as you know the kind of chief architect. And previous to all those startups, I was once before at Microsoft, where I was a PM on the .NET team when it first was created. Cool. So we we, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and it sounds like um, you're you've got a lot of mobile history and so it i assume is kind of kind of fun to be at microsoft doing it is. mobile stuff it is it it really is i mean one of the things that i was struck by with mobile development when i first kind of got into it was how um prominent open source was as part of mobile development and you know coming from this kind of classic uh, C-sharp background, you know, and, and Windows development background, I'd been exposed to some amount of open source. But then once I left Microsoft, I wanted to get involved with mobile. And I started s- seeing a, a very prominent kind of role that open source played in that. And not just on what kind of app you built, but like the services that were being built as well. You know, I would see people using Ruby and Python and things like that. And, uh, now that I'm at Microsoft, again, what I've seen is this: the company as a whole has just embraced open source, right? And so we saw yesterday with the when um, the CEO of GitHub was on stage with Scott, you know, he was Microsoft's the largest contributor of open source commits to uh, inside of GitHub, and that's a, a pretty stark contrast to what I saw ten years ago when I was last here, and I, you know, I, I became very familiar with it um, from the mobile world. Um, but it's really refreshing to see, right? And yeah. To see Microsoft's, you know, we have a an entire division just dedicated to mobile developers, and that to me I think is makes sense. It's kind of appropriate, you know. Mobile development is it feels very popular now. Feels like everybody's doing it, but I actually believe that there's, you know, the the market for mobile development is going to explode even more than what it is today as more and more developers build mobile apps as they learn new tools and technologies that make them more productive. I think that's just going to continue to kind of explode in popularity. And so I feel like personally very fortunate that I get to be a part of that. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com. Yeah, well, this is interesting uh, to me. That I mean, this has been sort of a theme as we've talked to other people that Microsoft has has changed in the last two years and they're they're open now and they have all this open source stuff. But another part of that that I think is interesting is that for so long, Microsoft was focused on Windows. Microsoft made all their money on Windows and Office. 
Um, and for those of us that were on on other platforms, eh, you know, Microsoft didn't care about us other than, you know, Mac Office or whatever, right? It just doesn't seem like it's the case anymore. They Microsoft introduced Visual Studio for Mac yesterday. Uh, of course, when you talk about mobile development, you are primarily talking about iOS and Android, which are two non-Microsoft platforms. Um, so it's kind of, it's fun. I, I think it's fun to see Microsoft expand beyond uh, their own thing, Windows, mm-hmm. into this Absolutely. broader community. Of and if you think about it, Microsoft's a 40-year-old company now. And it started, it wasn't, Windows wasn't the first product. Microsoft, at its heart, was a developer tools product, right? A company yeah. you know, with, with BASIC is the very first thing we did. And there's always been this very strong kind of developer focus inside of Microsoft. And you certainly saw that, like you said, with Windows. And, you know, built a lot of great developer tooling around Windows. But it's not, um, you know, the people I've worked with at Microsoft, especially people who've been there for a very long time, they've always had this just fascination and kind of obsession with just building really great tools for developers. And so it's really satisfying to be able to build tools for developers regardless of the platform that they're they're targeting. And this makes you feel like, you know, if I can make a developer in Minneapolis more productive, he can build an app that, you know, helps people get healthcare for cheaper, right? Like the 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 good you're doing to society feels very real when you think about the leverage that you can provide for developers by just giving them great tools regardless of where they are. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's cool. It's a nice attitude to see as well from Microsoft. Um, I'm not sure that it, it, it's actually, I think you're right. Among the people working on developer tools, there's always been this idea, but they it's almost like they were sort of limited to doing what they were doing and having that sort of opened up. Uh, is, is great for the, those of us on the outside. I imagine it's also pretty nice for people who are working on the inside of Microsoft. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we thought we, we would talk to you a little bit today about uh, about a couple things that you work on or, or have worked on. And, and the first one is is Xamarin. Um, I think everybody that's listening knows, you know, sort of what Xamarin is. We talked to, uh, we actually talked to Miguel Diacaza in March. Um, about Xamarin back at the time the acquisition was new and when the open source Xamarin being open source was announced, um, but I I kind of want to hear from your perspective from somebody who's been out there, uh, you know what's 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 cool about Xamarin why why should an iOS developer that's already doing Swift or whatever care about um, yeah care about it's, a, it's a it's a good question so uh, and just to recap the thirty second pitch you know Xamarin lets a developer use C sharp to build iOS and Android applications. And those applications are just as native as if they used Java or Swift or Objective-C. The, one of the cool things is just reusing existing C-sharp skills. There are millions of developers who are C-sharp developers. Um, and if they can immediately apply that knowledge of C-sharp and the underlying you know, base libraries of C-sharp, the, the .NET framework, um, that makes them productive right away. And it opens up new platforms for them immediately without having to relearn and you know do new things. And they're already going to have to learn enough just learning the ins and outs of mobile operating systems, which are different than web apps and, and desktop computing. So that, that right there is a huge advantage. And then there's just an additional advantage uh, in that you don't have to necessarily rewrite your app twice and that you can have a shared code base. That doesn't mean you have 100% of your code re- reused. It's not like the Java applet kind of idea from the, the late 90s. But you can take you know common code used for business logic and maybe networking and things like that and then reuse that. And that does kind of help accelerate your time to market 
So in both cases, it's it's a you know it's really about productivity. And it's really just about developer happiness, and it's about ultimately just giving developers another choice. You know, if somebody wants to use Swift, that's great. Swift's a, a fantastic language. If they want to use Java, that's great. But you know, there's people out there who we you know it's okay to have multiple choices, just like you know using JavaScript to build a mobile app as well. So it's that it feels really nice. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, choice is not going to be a bad thing. Yeah, in, in it, any it, scenario, it, it rarely is. Right, yeah. the more choices people have, the more really just competitive pressure there is, yeah. and that makes everybody better. Right, yeah. and that's I think you see that when you see you know there'll be popular open source you know applications that appear, popular tools that appear, and when there's just one, there's always this this possibility that it'll kind of stagnate and it won't really move ahead. When there's multiples, even if no money is on the line. There's oftentimes this, you know, sense of ego and purpose that people have, where they just want to, they want to do better, right? They're yeah. they're in a competition, they're playing a game with somebody, and they just want to, you know, they want to win. Yeah. Well, and, the idea is cross pollinate. Yeah, you see, oh, else has a good idea. Like, wait a minute, I can do that, and I can do it better. Yep. So it's, you have absolutely. the competition just drives innovation. So right. both systems benefit. Exactly. Ultimately, and, like the end user, people are creating apps, and you know, ultimately, that helps everyone because we have better tools. We can do better things, we can tackle bigger problems. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you remember, um, it's like, what's your go-to networking library these days on iOS? I just use the standard, you know, yeah. iOS yeah. foundation. But Alamo Fire is the one that the, I think is the right. The Swift kind and of. Then, and before that, you know, there was like AF networking AF at networking, point, yep. right? And these, these, each one kind of like introduces these new ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And people learn from them. And uh, I, I really like to see that. There's, I remember in the early days of Xamarin, um, Miguel built something called monotouch.dialog, which was basically a JSON file. You could you could do it in code, but you could basically kind of declare a simple interface in JSON. And then, you know, he had some code that would read that and he would create like a, a simple data-driven, kind of table-driven application. And, you know, maybe I don't some number of months later I, I came across a Objective C version of this called like Quick Dialog. Right, and you can see mm -hmm. these these ideas kind of yeah. germinate, and you know, Quick Dialog had some some real advantages over Monotouch Dialog, and you know, the and the world continues and it turns, and all kinds of interesting things happen. So I, I love seeing that kind of competition and that kind of like, mm -hmm. I'll take your idea and I'll make it better. I think the networking uh, example on iOS is actually a really great one because AF networking came out came out. Um, yeah, you know, at, th at this point, relatively early on in history, the iOS SDK, and it was in large part, I think, to work around what um, Matt Thompson, the guy who wrote it, saw as shortcomings in the native, uh, you know, NSURL request and NSURL connection APIs. And that was great. You know, people loved AF networking. It became this thing that for some developers, they started a new project, and the first thing they did yep. was put AF networking in. And then Apple came out with NSURL session which is a new networking library, and it is very obviously inspired by AF networking, yeah. you know, API-wise, uh, which of course means that there's less need for AF networking, and a lot of developers say now that it's not worth including because you got yep. good enough stuff, but that's great for everybody, right? Yeah, everybody so, wins yeah. through that. It's not like AF networking lost. Yeah. They just won, right? The ideas right. that they suggested and showed the world happened. Yep. Uh, that's, that's, I think, just, that to me is the most exciting thing about building software today and building developer tools today is that that feels like it's a quick moving world where you're never bored and we're always just kind of, you know, 
benefiting from each other's work. Yeah, that's nice. And it's fun to see Microsoft and actually Apple. This is another Absolutely. case where I think this has happened. Uh, I don't know, but but a couple of years ago, Microsoft s- sort of seemed to be starting to embrace open source a lot more. And of course, at this point, that's been taken quite a bit farther and .NET Core is open source and uh, the Roslyn compiler is open source and Xamarin's open source and all this, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then Apple open source Swift, which yeah. seemed pretty incredible, you know, like yeah, right? very different than the old Apple. So yeah, I think, you know, everybody's seen this, right? There's a competitive advantage as a business to embracing open source, right? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that um, you have to have an ulterior motive. I mean, you're motivated by profit. That's what businesses are doing. But that all of the kind of externalities that are positive for the world from adopting open source help you just as much, right? And it really yeah. legitimizes you. And so I think it's it's really important for businesses to keep doing that. I, I agree. I'm, but they don't want to be the it. first. I don't, no one wants to be the first. No that's, one wants that's, to do that's, that's scary. <laughs> there was, I think, a large activation energy, right? I yeah. mean, really, we're talking 20 or 30 years now where open source as a concept has kind of grown from this thing that a few people were talking about in the late 70s, early 80s, to really becoming just the default, right? Yeah. The, the question I ask my engineering team now isn't, should you open source that? It's, let's assume the default answer is yes. Is there some reason why we don't want to open source it or open source it yet? Right? Yeah. I think that's the question. It's like The question is, like, where's your default answer? And I think more and more people are defaulting to, I'm just going to open source everything. And occasionally, I'm not going to open source something. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. And there, we we've talked, we've had guests on that work for smaller companies than Microsoft, but that sort of have a everything's open source by default policy almost. And you know, even if it's the app that they that is the the app they develop, well, yeah. it's open source. And you know, that doesn't work maybe if you're making your money selling an app, but right. So there are still cases where it doesn't make sense. But um, so so you you came to Microsoft from Xamarin, but you are now working. Primarily on uh, mobile, the Visual, Visual Studio Mobile Center, I think is Correct. the full name, right? Yep. yep. Um, why don't you Why don't you sort of tell us about that? Yeah. So Mobile Center is a a collection of services, mobile cloud services for developers, and by that I mean we have a, a CI service. We call it the Build Service. That literally, you know, I I do a check in into GitHub, and we'll immediately kick off a build for you, right? And then we have what we call test, the test service, which came out of Xamarin Test Cloud, which is real-world device testing. And then we have a beta distribution service that came from Hockey App, which was another startup that Microsoft acquired. And then we have crash reporting, which was, again, a combination of technologies from existing services within Microsoft, technology that we had in Hockey App, technology we had in Xamarin. We've built a really great analytics uh, service that is mobile-centric. And then we're also partnering with the um, Azure App Service team to pro- provide like back-end services like easy tables and offline data sync, end-user identity authentication, those kinds of things. And so our, our goal is to have a place where you can have an app-centric view of all of these services that you use to both kind of build and deploy your app, but then also power it on the back-end. So you don't have to go to different places. You can have one single view. And at the same time, what we're trying to then do is kind of level up and really provide you kind of heroic scenarios where before, if you wanted to kind of tie all these things together, A, you'd spend a lot of time, and B, you couldn't necessarily do some real magic. And we think there's like some some definite magical experiences that we can create for people by having these things be so easy. Um, and at the same time, we've tried to make sure that 
we have a very developer-friendly experience. And for us, developer-friendly means you have a CLI, and that CLI is open source, that you have public REST APIs for everything somebody might want to do, along with like a really nice user interface. And then, of course, you know, we think people want mobile apps as well that oftentimes can take the place of maybe what you have for a web app UX. And so everything you can do in Mobile Center today um, through the UI, the buttons you can push, the files you can upload, the configurations you can set, you can also do with like a public API, right? Or the again, the command line interface. So we think that's all very important. Like it's your data, it's your it's your app in our service. So let's let make it as configurable and just kind of open up the possibilities for you as much as possible. Uh, you know, we started talking about Xamarin, so I think we should be clear that um, Visual Studio Mobile Center is not uh, not a Xamarin thing per se. Correct. Right? It, it, uh, visual. So Mobile Center is for any kind of app built really in any language. And this was true actually at Xamarin with Xamarin Test Cloud. So you know Xamarin started with the platform, which was again C Sharp for iOS and Android developers. And very early on in Xamarin's life as a startup, we saw this problem of people need to um, deal with the fragmentation of the mobile world. There's a lot of different form factors, a lot of different vendors, especially on the on the Android side, but even in iOS, there's quite a few, you know, popular um, form factors that people use. Developers needed a way to ensure they had a high quality app. And I remember this from before I joined Xamarin when I had a, a mobile startup. You know, we used to run across bug reports. Somebody would give us like one star in say Google Play. And we'd be like, oh man, like what's happening? And we'd see the, the device there, they're, they're saying they're using, and we wouldn't be able to replicate it with say our HTC phones or our Samsungs. So we would like go to the mall, you know, we'd go find a kiosk in the middle. One of my co-founder would say, maybe distract them for a while. And I'd take the phone model that the person reported the crash on, I'd install our app until I could replicate the crash. You know, and then, you know, hopefully go fix it, you know, in a couple of days later. And that's like way too long of a time in order to actually fix bugs, right? And it'd be better if that bug never even occurred out in the wild. And so, you know, Xamarin, they, they saw this problem early on. And so they created Test Cloud, which was real world devices that you could automate tests on to catch these kinds of things before you ever published your app. And that would work in Test Cloud from day one, always worked with all kinds of applications, um, not just Xamarin Platform applications. And Mobile Center has the exact same kind of, kind of uh, view of the world, right? You can write your app in React Native. You can write your app in Swift. You can write it in Java. You can write it with the Xamarin Platform. Doesn't really matter. All of our tools and all of our services will work across the board for you. And our hope is that we really do become, you know, the, the de facto way that people kind of build that kind of continuous pipeline um, for their mobile applications. I'm, uh, I, I'm just giving you time. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> I always worry that I talk too much, so. Me too. Yeah, it, it is a I mean, podcast, but... What are some of the, the benefits of doing the, doing the CI? Obviously, there's testing, finding bugs. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned a previous startup you had where like your competition was actually able to outproduce out you, create features, yeah. because they were, had integrated uh, continuous integration. So exactly. can you tell us a little bit about, yeah, little and, bit about that? And so I have this um, 
I have this kind of theory of of CI and CD and why it's so important. It's not really my theory. I think it's I think everybody really understands it, which is the the faster you can go from I checked in some code to knowing how it actually performed in the real world, not just from a quality perspective, but from like a user adoption perspective, the faster that loop is, the faster you're going to be able to create even better features, right? And I think about it like as a learning loop. So if you and I are competing against each other and it takes me a week to learn something that you learn in a day, you are going to just be able to kind of compound those learnings on top of each other and build a product that people will want more than I will. It doesn't matter how fast you can code if you can't get through the rest of the pipeline, if you can't get the app in people's hands quickly enough, right? And getting things in people's hands quickly enough is is what you get from continuous integration, continuous deployment. So well, That's a really good point because if it takes me a week to figure it out, it takes you a day to figure it out. After that day, you can work on something else. Yes. And in the week, I'm still working on something else, but I don't even know if I'm working on the, on the right thing. Correct. I could be working on something I have to undo completely after we figure out that it's wrong. Yep. So you, you just have that that gap where, okay, this is good. We can do it versus some unknown where you could be wasting time. You could be building right. the wrong thing. So it definitely provides a competitive advantage. Yep. And, and if you think about it, you're going to be wrong most of the time. We'll just make up a number. Let's just say you're right 10% of the time. 10% of the features you build are the right feature. Forget about whether or not they were the right feature from a quality perspective, just something that people would want to use, right? So to get to that 10%, like, so if you do have 10 ideas, one will be really good. If you can go through those 10 ideas in a week, then that means you produced one good idea that made your service better, made your app better. If it takes me you know, two months or three months to get my one good idea, you're just going to continue to be so far ahead of you know delivering something people want and that's where i think ci and cd and all these things really come to play right i mean we've all seen these development teams where the mobile app isn't built with a ci service there's a guy in a corner somewhere and he like he does the checkout and he builds it he has all the certs and provisioning profiles on his machine you know and he's he like produces the build right and then he's responsible for you know, uploading it to some beta testing service or distributing it to people or whatever, right? And that's just slow, right? If you have that one guy, I mean, what if he's out for the day? What if his computer breaks? I mean, there's all kinds of th little things that we've all experienced that, you know, frankly, in like the web world, people don't really experience these problems anymore that they do in the <laughs> mobile world, right? Like, I think there's a classic story, I think, of Etsy, if I recall correctly, from quite a few years ago. I want to say, you know, more than five where they would deploy to production their web app like 50 times a day, just all the time, because they had complete confidence that they could go from check-in to test to production to seeing that everything was okay in production and if there was a problem rolling back very quickly so that there was minimal interruptions. And that meant they could just you know, pump out new features, pump out performance fixes, pump out all of these things. If you went to any mobile developer today and said, hey, you know, what do you think of shipping 50 times a day? They would just, yeah, they would, they would be like, what it are you talking does about? Does not compute. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I, I ship, you know, three times a quarter on really fast teams. Like, like <laughs> the good teams I've worked with ship every week. Exactly. You know, that's about as, yeah, as you I mean, ship the app store every week. I, I, I've done CDs so that we were doing too. 
beta builds a day, internal beta builds a day. Yeah. But that's about, I mean. And that's like elite developers, right? Yeah. Elite teams. And so we need to get to a world, and that's what we built Mobile Center for, where any mobile development team, regardless of their familiarity with things like Jenkins and you know familiarity with the CICD kind of pipeline, that we need to get to a world where they can reap these same benefits and be able to ship, again, all the time. Now, you're always going to have app store yeah. kind of, you know, like approval uh, cycles. But, you know, not every app, A, goes into the app store. And B, that still doesn't mean you can't get it out to your development team, that you can't get it out to beta testers. There's a lot of, you know, things you can do. There'll, there'll always be this kind of app store difference between mobile and web, and that's fine. We have to, you know, we have to live with it maybe a slightly slower pace yeah, because I mean, of that. The Apple, we're ecstatic when we get something through within a few days. Right. We're doing cartwheels. Yeah, Because exactly. it was two weeks before. You know? yeah. But you at least want to have like a really great cycle getting up to that point. Because then now you, and in fact, it's, it's almost more critical for mobile that we have a really great pipeline than it is for web. Because with mobile, you get that shot, right? You give it to Apple, they approve it or they don't. There's a problem, you know, maybe you can call and escalate and get it, you know, reverted in a day, you know, if you're lucky. Or, but if you have like a new feature, if you realized, oh man, the button shouldn't have been red, it should have been blue, well, you're looking at another week, yeah. you know, another couple of weeks. You don't, you know, so getting it right ahead of time by having like a strong beta testing audience and having the ability just to get those things out to those guys is even more critical than it would be with web. Can we can we talk uh, in a little more depth about the the CI CD features that yeah for sure Mobile Center provides? So my experience is with Jenkins, uh, and I think that's probably true of a lot of mobile developers who have done some sort of CI before. Uh, Apple has their offering called Xcode Bots, but does not really include the deployment part of that and. I've never heard anyone super happy with it. Uh, <laughs> I've never actually tried it because I've heard, well, for various reasons. But I have been responsible for doing um, doing the Jenkins setup at, on, a, on a team before. And I have to say that especially when I first started, when I had never used Jenkins before, that was not an easy process. It took me days at least yeah. to get everything really up and running the right way. And I saw during the demo uh, yesterday in the keynote, you know, a pretty quick, like, connect your GitHub, click two buttons, you're yep. ready to go, um, which is great. And I love that. That's obviously really important. But I'm also kind of curious to know what's what's down a little farther under the surface because, you know, Jenkins is hard to set up, but it's also very powerful and you can right. configure all kinds of stuff. And so can you can you tell us a little more about what's you know, kind of under sure. the surface? Are you looking to expand your skills in mobile development? Have an idea for the next Angry Birds app? Then you need to check out iOS Remote Conf, produced by the same team that brings you your favorite devchat.tv podcasts like Ruby Rogues and iFreaks. Join us for two days of jam-packed fun and learning streamed to you live May 17th and 18th. Go check it out at iosremoteconf.com. Sure. Yeah. For, and, and one thing to keep in mind is, you know, we just kind of started it in many ways, right? We have the preview out there. I expect to see substantial iterations sure. on the on the product over the next few months. And so, in many ways, what I'll tell you is kind of a, a mixture of like what's there literally today, and you know, and a little bit about what's coming in the next, you know, two weeks from now and six weeks from now and so forth. Under the covers, uh, we're using VSTS, you know, Visual Studio Team Services, which um, is a very powerful, very flexible build system. 
And VSTS does a lot of other things. It does issue tracking. It does release management. Yeah. It works, again, for all kinds of programming languages and platforms. Um, but what we've done is we've taken the build system piece of that, and it has a bunch of what they call build tasks for mobile development and, of course, for all kinds of other things like web development. What we've done is we basically have packaged that all up together and then put our API and our UI on top of that. And then so that when you... What, what happens is literally you select the repo. We will scan the repo for your you know, Xcode project or workspace. Um, we'll, we'll look and see what your shared schemes are that you have available to us. And then we'll, we'll display that to you. We skipped a step in the demo yesterday, but we also ask you for your certificate and your provisioning profile. And you can just upload those and like, you know, inline give, us the, um, give them to us and tell us whether you want it to sign or not. You know? Uh, and then we will, under the covers, use those VSTS build tasks to go ahead and you know check out the code, compile it, sign it, and move on to the to the next step. And well, the really nice thing about this is that all of these VSTS build steps are actually open source. So if you go to the Microsoft you know GitHub repository, you can actually find them all and you can read them. I think they're in. Um, I believe they're in TypeScript. They might just be in, in JavaScript, but they're they're right there. You can see every step that they're taking um, to do this work, and it's you know it's it kind of just works. Now there are advanced scenarios that we're actively working on that we don't have yet today. So, for instance, you may have some secret keys and things like that that you like maybe in a P list that you don't check in. So you know we want to give people the ability to have those. There'll be pre and post build scripts that you may want to run, just like you know bash scripts, that kind of thing. Okay, but that, like the thing in the P list would be like a password, something you don't yeah, want to yeah. have. Yeah, something you don't want to check in your source yeah, code. So. API key for exactly. So we'll you know we'll provide you the 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 kind of there's a series of traditional ways you can kind of pass in that additional information into builds, right? And we do, we allow you to set up builds per branch. So you, in fact, will have, you know, you could have different ones per branch. So if you want to have like a beta branch and a release branch, you could, you can do those things as well. So that's very useful for cases where you're working on a certain feature. Yep. And you want to do a build, maybe you want to show it to your designer. That should design, you built it, here, here it is. Yep. They can download it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. so and that's the kind of, we have this concept of a lane that we don't really make prominent, but we will probably make more and more prominent over time in the product, which is we actually think it starts with the check-in to a specific branch. And there's a workflow that is branch-based, essentially. This is what we've seen with, with uh, various development teams. And this branch will talk to these services, will use these keys, will go to these beta testers, and you'll want to be able to and you'll want these tests, right? So something on a release branch, you might want incredibly thorough testing on, again, with like, say, for instance, with Test Cloud. For something that is, you know, you're expecting to see done several times a day, you might just want like a, a very quick smoke test, right? Does it start? Does a couple things work? I want the test done in, say, a couple minutes, you know, not, say, something that's a half hour exhaustive testing. So there's all of these kind of tasks that happen post merge, post commit. Um, that aren't just a build, that include configuration, that include who it goes to. And so we want to make that that loop, that, that setting up easier and easier for people. So. What, what, how do you, what's your support for testing like? Uh, just just the, the unit testing stuff that's built into Xcode or using something else? So as part of the build service itself, we will support what's 
you know, like you said, like XC tests. And we'll run this XC tests, you know, it can do simulator testing, that kind of thing, just as part of the build itself. We additionally have a, a test service that is the real world device testing sure. from okay. Test Cloud. Yeah. And that there you you would use, you know, Espresso or Appium or UI test or Calabash to to write those tests. And they're kind of split apart because generally speaking, um, you know, you you that unit test, right, is like a very quick thing and is really coupled highly to like, did it build successfully? Whereas test cloud is still part of an overall successful build, but it is kind of a, a different step and you may want it to take longer. And you, in fact, may even want to distribute to beta testers before those are done if you want a particularly long and exhaustive build to happen on many, many different types of devices. So we want to make sure that you could decouple those kinds of oh, two cool. concepts from each other. There's a, one of the things I've seen come up um, quite a lot in the last two years, uh, we've, we've actually had him on our show, but is a, is a tool called Fastlane, which is yeah. used for a lot of iOS um, CI. It's fantastic set of tools, right? Yeah, I wonder if Microsoft has any plans to, to sort of integrate with Fastlane. Some of the stuff that Fastlane does seems like you cover uh, some of the basic stuff, but then Fastlane, for example, can, oh, I guess you may have this in, in Test Cloud, but Fastlane can take automatically take screenshots for, right. for marketing and it can upload new metadata to the App Store and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like so we don't currently have App Store submission features. It's definitely high on my personal list. So one, although I have to say, one of the things I've discovered in life is that I am you know, not necessarily an accurate predictor of what people will want. And that's why we have, you know, lean development and customer development and all those kinds of things. That's why we ship things early. So while I suspect that our audience will want fast lane-like functionality, including app store submission, um, you know, that's why we have the preview to kind of interact with customers and define that out. So if customers tell us, hey, this is missing and I need it, or if through interviews we see everybody doing that, but just not mentioning it when we look at their how they're using the product, you know, then we'll definitely want to provide those kinds of features. Um, but you know, I, I I try to keep an open mind on predicting yeah. oh, what yeah. people will want. Next. Well, that's part of what we've talked about, right? You get yeah. If you only get features right ten percent of the time, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's why I feel I feel like and that's why you have to ship and you have to ship very early, right? Yeah. Like this is a thing I tell my team all the time. I'm like, if you're not embarrassed, you waited too long. Yeah. Right. You have to feel like, oh man, you know, I, I could just I just needed a little bit more time because you know you're. Your competitor, they 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 took the heat. They decided to go out earlier, yeah. and they learned more than you did. So, be a little embarrassed. Get your software out there. Talk to your customers, right? Yeah. But I, I would suspect strongly that we'll end up in you know wanting fastlane like functionality. Yeah, I I, that, I mean it certainly seems appealing to me. Um, you do have the beta distribution stuff in Hockey App, but uh, you know a lot of people are going to want to use TestFlight. And yeah, exactly. If, if you were able to submit to the App Store, you can use test. Exactly. And every piece of what we've done with Mobile Center is designed for that scenario, right? Yeah. You can use just one of our services. Maybe you decide to just use Test Cloud. Maybe you decide to just use our beta distribution or just our crash reporting. That's totally fine. Everything together will be a really great experience, right? You know, better together, but great alone. It's kind of the the idea there, right? So we'll we'll continue that philosophy, right? And yeah. I think that's a to, one of the things I've seen in developers is if you force a suite on them and say, if you want to use this one thing you really want, but by the way, you got to use all these other things, then you really, you know, you lose, right? Developers want to be able to choose the very best tool for them for that job. Yeah. And you can't just enforce everything. So I have to refrain myself from starting down the 
personal gripes, <laughs> not, <laughs> not against Microsoft, but against certain other companies that have done exactly that and annoyed me and make me not right. want to use their yeah. stuff. Right? I mean, the last thing I want to do is build a sort for instance, a great testing service with test cloud and then say, the only way you can submit a test is if you use our build service, right? Yeah. That would just mm-hmm. that'd be counterproductive to everybody, right? right? People, you already have Jenkins set up. Yeah. Why do you have to move off of Jenkins? If you decide to move off of Jenkins, it, could, it should be because my build feature offers things for you that you want, yeah. not because you want this other completely unrelated thing and I'm forcing it on you. Well, and I hope, I mean, I, I, it sounds like Microsoft gets this, but it seems kind of obvious to me that if you start out by saying, okay, you can use the test cloud and keep your Jenkins set up, I'm a lot more likely to go from that to using the whole suite than I am to go yeah. from... Nothing absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I, the, this isn't our product philosophy because, you know, we're kind-hearted people. Yeah. I mean, I like to think I'm a kind-hearted person, but mm-hmm. it's our philosophy because we think that's what customers want, and that's what will get us the most customers and the most yeah. loyal customers, right? So, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, a little bit behind the scenes, because if you set up your a Jenkins instance, you you undoubtedly have a Mac Mini, or you're using Mac that's Mini Colo, like. How are we? You have a bunch of Mac Minis in a data center somewhere that's just hiding from us. How does this work? <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not quite ready yet to talk about how we built everything internally. But you know, yeah, I mean, yes, we have Macs that we're using for this, right? Um, I think the question that is more interesting, I think, for people outside of our hardware setup is like our software setup, right? And that's like where I think those VSTS build agents are like really interesting. And I think they're one of the things about VSTS that's been there for a while that people haven't really noticed, but they're really gems, right? I mean, anybody could go and look at that code and, and use it themselves. And so I'm, I'm kind of pointing people at that right now. How, how, long has the, how long has support for Mac build, I mean, basically Xcode builds been in? Uh, Quite a while. I would say... Um, so I mean, I've only been at Microsoft right since the acquisition oh, closed, and they were already there beforehand. Okay. So my sense is maybe a year or two. Okay. I can't tell you the exact date. Well, you might not want to tell us too much about the the hardware setup, but I want a tour of the test cloud. For sure. Data center yeah. warehouse, wherever that is. That, uh, we can we can we'll see what we can do. Yeah, right? I'd love to see. Yeah, I, I think I mean, the uh, I don't know how the the PR people and the security people <laughs> right? work all that out, but if we can figure it out, I'd love to just, love to show it to you. It just seems. We have we have literally thousands yeah. of devices, right? And it's uh, you know it's it's what's really entertaining is to see them all. You know, we can set up a test and demo for you, and you can see them all dancing we because to, they have screens. They're real devices, right? Yeah, and we um we have a wall that we'd often bring to would bring to conferences, and where we would put say fifty or a hundred of them on a wall and have basically a local instance of test cloud running, where we'd then run an app that was being automated just to kind of illustrate the. The power of it. Yeah, I think I think you had that wall at Build, if I remember. I'm pretty sure we had it at Build. Yeah. We had it at the Evolve conference as well earlier this year. Yeah. Um, it's just super fun to see. It's like you yeah. know, it's, it's really neat to to see all that out there doing their yeah. thing. Yeah, I want to be the guy who, whenever a device is old enough to be retired, is the one on the list. To get it. But that's just the kind of person <laughs> I. <laughs> the, um, one of the problems you see is like you now, phones aren't really designed to live in data centers, yeah. and there's so many really hard problems with having a, a farm of devices, which is one of the advantages of using test cloud versus trying to build it yourself. Because occasionally we get people who say, oh, you know, I'll just buy, you know, a dozen phones or a hundred phones or whatever, and I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll replicate what you've done, right? And what you soon find is like phones don't like being left on all the time. They melt and, and stop working and things yeah. like that, you know, because they're 
they're just that's not how they're used to working. Um, you'll also find that Wi-Fi, you, know, you get a bunch of Wi-Fi devices in a small space, and it starts interrupting each other, and so you get all kinds of weird networking issues. So you have to be you have to become pretty expert at Faraday cages and yeah, things like that, right? To to really sustain it and to expand it and scale it out. So yeah, you're just making me want to see the place more. Oh but. man. <laughs> We'll go. And we'll I have my own little device trip. farm. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go. It's super fun. Yeah. It's super fun. Cool. Field trip. All right. Yeah. Uh, the piece of this we've talked a lot about but skirted around a little bit is um, uh, the, the, the hockey app, the, the actual beta distribution stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you? I, I, so I want to know a little bit how this works. I know hockey app existed um, for, for a while and was fairly popular before Microsoft bought them. Uh, I'm kind of curious about how things have changed, but also for people who are not familiar um, you know how how does that work? How do you how do you collect? How do you allow beta testers to sign up? Right. So how, how do they get the thing since it's not coming from the app store? You know. Yeah, I mean, Hockey App. You know, I think has um, if if they weren't the first, they were certainly one of the first kind of beta distribution services out there, right? Yeah. And so. Are you asking like at a, at a just like a fundamental level how you get UDIDs and put them into a provisioning yeah, profile? Yeah, basically. How does the what's the workflow like for a developer? Yeah, I mean today with with Hockey App, there's um, you know different sets of tools and software that you can, for instance, install on an end user's device and things like that too. Because ultimately, right, you're trying to collect that UDID, add it to your provisioning profile in iTunes Connect, and then you want to make a build with that provisioning profile. And so, Hockey App. Um, you know, has has made a lot of that very automated and very easy. It's, you know, the if you go look at the developer center in iTunes, right, you can upload a list of yeah. of UDIDs. So really you need a way to collect them. And Hockey App has created, you know, tools that can run on your beta testers devices to collect them and make that all that much easier. Um, the distribution service, the beta distribution service in Mobile Center isn't as far along yet, right? Okay. It's based on Hockey App technology, but we're being, you know, kind of measured in our pace of as we bring that technology and features over. It's the same team. The, the yeah. Hockey App team is is part of the Mobile Center team. So we'll have a, a similar kind of technique in the end, right? And my hope is what we end up with is because we also offer the build service, this will be one of those better together like scenarios where we'll help you collect the the UDIDs needed for a provisioning profile. We'll help you be able to use that provisioning profile for as part of the build in a way that is even more seamless than what you get today with existing services and tooling, including our own. Well, right? I think I think that that to me is the thing that's really attractive because if you set up like what I've done is you set up Jenkins and it uses Fastlane to upload to the App Store and then uh, you know and then you can distribute through TestFlight and it's kind of this mishmash. It was even worse before, you know, before Apple bought TestFlight and at least made it so it's one submission. But uh, being able to just kind of like you showed in the in the keynote, click a button, connect to GitHub, yeah. set up CI, get beta distribution going, make it very. It's, it's, it's all simple. possible, right? And so yeah. it's it's a question of doing it in the way that will be the most scalable and the most secure and yeah. the most developer friendly. And so you know, and it's important to me that we kind of take that iterative approach and make sure we can do all that because it shouldn't be a complex, painful task. And it certainly was, you know, seven years ago. Um, And it's a lot easier now, but it can even be more easy. Right. And I think that's like that more easy kind of mentality is one we just have to keep striving for (laughs) getting there step by step. Seven years ago, nobody at all was doing, at least on iOS was doing CD. 
No, no, there was. I mean, no how would you do that? I don't know. No test CD. flight even existed yet. Yeah. Or hockey app. There was hockey app. Yet. I think is six years yeah. older. So yeah. I feel like test flight might be a little older. I feel like until the beta right when I was doing my first app in I think 2011. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah so, so right around that, so yeah, yeah, five years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but certainly no one was doing CD. I, mean, I remember I when there was no analytics. I remember right. with um, that same mobile startup I was doing, I couldn't find a good analytics package at the time. This is 2010, 2011, and I remember like writing my own. I mean, I had to spend all this time just like writing analytics, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. writing a service like. And I, I had a, a small enough user, po- well, unfortunately, a small enough user population that I didn't have to deal with like analytics at scale. But you know, doing things like the the simplest problem would be so difficult that today is like is fairly easy. Yeah. Um, and then you know, or even things like referral tracking, right? Like I wanted to know where people came from when they installed my app. I mean, that's <laughs> that's really hard. <laughs> that's still yeah. hard today, right? So. It's not as hard as it was, though. Yeah, but it's not as hard. Exactly. Yeah. So that even that can be made easier. Yeah. Right? And that's my hope, right? Yeah. All of these things that anytime – so I, I love to go and talk to developers and interview them and just understand their workflow. And anytime they describe something to me that is significant time they're spending not building a user-facing feature, I think is an opportunity for me as a, a dev tools person to, to help make their life better. Because if if they're if you're spending time on an internal analytics tool or you're spending time on an internal build tool, well, those are things that ideally someone like Microsoft can build for you and do a better job than you would ever be able to do because we can dedicate many, many people to it. And you can then spend more time on like the end user facing feature. Yeah. Well unless unless you're trying to build an analytics company or whatever, of course, why of why course. would you want to spend your time on that? You want to spend time on the stuff that sets you apart and makes users want to use your Absolutely. App. But in that case you're a you're a DevTools vendor at that point. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. you're not iOS or mobile developers are not in that business. Exactly. Presumably. Exactly. Know? Right. And so yeah, if you can help people out in that way, it's that's always what's really fun. Right. Yeah. Is there anything else you really think we should cover, particularly about Mobile Center? Let's see. Um I feel like we covered a lot of it, to tell you the truth. I mean, there's there's a lot of depth to the product now, and there's going to even be more depth later. So, you know, I'd yeah. love to come back like in three or six months. I th- yeah, I think we could do an interesting show. Like there's like, um, so one of the guys who works for me was the founder of Hockey App. His name's Thomas. I don't know if you guys have had him on the show before. We did, on the show. Actually, yeah. yeah, we should have Thomas and me yeah. come sometime, and you know, maybe we could talk to him a little bit about the early days of Hockey App and, you know, maybe show you guys what mobile center is looking like at that point in time as we kind of continue to iterate with it. Yeah, be that would be fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, it's fun to see. It'll be fun to see where it, this is all going. Yeah, for sure. And try it out yourselves. Yeah, I, I need to. And I, I actually want to test cloud is the thing that seems mm-hmm. really cool to me. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, right? Yeah. The first time you build a test and you see the results come back and you see that grid of screenshots, you know, and you hit the arrow key, you hit the arrow key and kind of like step through all your, your test apps and see it update. Or, you know, you can like watch a video of it if you enable video. That's like a pretty, pretty magical moment for yeah. a, a mobile developer. At least it was for me the first time. Yeah. Right. Oh, I think so. I don't see my stuff running on yeah. all these devices normally. Right? Yeah, you don't right. even see your, you don't see your users use it unless you're doing user testing or something, but just normally in the, exactly. just the idea that it's out there running on these devices yep. is cool. It can be pretty fun. Um, okay, well. 
Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about Freelance Remote Conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the Freelancer Show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize, and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go, become, or grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com. It can be pretty fun. Um, Okay, well, if you don't have anything else, uh, I think we'll wrap up and get to your picks. Uh, Oh, yeah, my picks. Okay, so explain this to me one more time. So you pick something that you like. It could be a blog post, an article, restaurant, food, just something that you like. And, And tell you guys about it. Yeah, tell Let's see. So something that actually I think is relevant to the philosophy behind Mobile Center, which I also love and I tell everybody about, is there's a, a couple books I love. And one's called The Goal, and then one's called The Phoenix Project. And they're both about uh, the theory of constraints and the fact that if you have bottlenecks, then you can't make things happen as quickly as you want. And the goal was written, I think, 20 or 30 years ago. And it's about how to like basically take a factory, like an actual factory that builds widgets and things like that. It's like a novelization of this idea that the goal isn't to optimize every little piece of of your process, of whatever that factory was building. But the goal is to go from the start to the finish as as quickly as possible. And then it's and it's a kind of a mind-opening book once you kind of realize this idea behind how a pipeline of any kind of work happens. And when I first read the goal, um, I immediately saw a lot of similarities to development, but there wasn't a book out there that really applied these same ideas from the theories of the theory of constraints to development. And then uh, a gentleman wrote. Um, the Phoenix Project, which is basically the same idea. It's a novelization of an IT project gone wrong that is then fixed by somebody who understands these concepts. And it's, it's really uh, fascinating to see how you can take these ideas that we have, things like CI, things like you know, using kind of you know, Scrum, and see them applied to a software development project in a way that kind of improves the entire thing and makes it all better. And they're novels, so they're just kind of fun to read. Um, those are two things I have, I know, two of my favorite books to tell people about. So cool. The Goal uh, and The Phoenix Project. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's easy to talk about CI in general terms, like you should also be doing CI. And the developers listening to this on the ground, like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, how do I, how do I actually do this? So it's yeah, cool to see they're, some they're, they're both really fun. So. Highly recommended. Very nice. I didn't think you were going to pull out a novel that's relevant to yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we just talked about. So that's, that's impressive. <laughs> well, I, I really liked them both. CI fiction. It's a new yeah. CI it's fiction a genre. It's, guys, it's a, it's a genre. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Keith. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.